0: Restart. Be Real is brought to you by the MFA in Writing program at California College of the Arts in San Francisco. Their two-year program has launched Molly Prentice, Adam Nemet, and Julie Lithcott-Hames. Come write with them. Learn more about CCA's den of poets, raconteurs, playwrights, and novelists at cca.edu slash writing MFA. You
1: can talk about film. With a philosopher's zeal Or measure them all By box office appeal But for once in your life Be real! Welcome one and all to What We Pray Is your movie reviewing and reappraising podcast Be real My name is Chance Solemn-Pfeiffer
0: And as always, I'm Noah Ballard
1: And we're here for a mini-episode of the show For your Thanksgiving week wanted to give you something to uh, road trip or airplane to wherever you're going to. We're going to talk about a movie that just debuted this past Friday on the, the flicks of the net. We're going to talk about the Coen brothers, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs in this mini episode. That's right. So it's their first movie since Hail Caesar, which we reviewed on this show, along with Raising Arizona and Fargo. And I think in a Coen kidnapping episode that also could have included... Big Lebowski boy are there a lot of they love kidnappings they just love them
0: they do um what did I say about did I like Hail Caesar because like thinking back on it I don't feel like I did
1: you were in a yeah you were in a bad mood I think you called it bad good and I said it was good good because I think you're such a Coen
0: Brothers apologist though let that be stated pretty early on here
1: Let's also look at who's staking ground with the phrase apologist. What about, I like these great filmmakers, and Noah has problems with them, for what? whatever reasons, which he'll go into here. That's the brand. Uh, I'm just cultivating the brand. The uh, the The fact that when somebody is wrong, they're an apologist.
0: <laughs> That's just what I'm trying to do. All
1: right, man. Um, <laughs> so, some technical things. If you don't know this stuff, you haven't heard about this movie, but it... Is it's basically six vignettes. It dropped on Netflix. It was initially reported that it was an anthology series, but the Coens have then refuted that, saying it was always intended to be shot in one kind of two-hour um, series of these six Old West short stories. Uh, so it's only like a shade over two hours. Um, I thought it was going to be like four. I thought it was going to be an actual like miniseries. It is not. Um, yeah, and of course, it's their first movie to debut. It was in a couple of theaters in LA, LA and New York, right? But most of the people, the vast, vast majority of people will watch it on Netflix.
0: That's right. Including me. Yeah, it feels like maybe the publicity around this movie was related to maybe the Coen brothers' surprise that after winning, like, best screenplay at Venice this year. Nobody wanted to distribute this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe some... Whatever happened in the Netflix exchange, I think probably some agent said to another agent, like, what if we, like, cut this up and pitch it as, like, a miniseries? Mm,
1: mm-hmm. And
0: maybe that's what got pitched. But, yeah, ultimately it's one of its content now. It's in the Netflix machine. and. That's right. It's out there, but I was kind of looking forward to, I feel like they did a good job, Netflix, of making the right sort of literary people aware that this movie was coming out. So I was pretty, A, I knew like what day it was coming out and watched it immediately and B, you know, I like knew sort of what it was in an intriguing way.
1: They're fully in the prestige film game this winter with uh, Outlaw King, which seems like it was already a bit of a failure of expectations. But even more notably, Roma, the Alfonso Cuaron movie, which is sure to make some Oscar bids, is, is coming out still this year uh, in a couple theaters again and then mostly on Netflix.
0: It just says something about the movie, I feel like, when a big budget thing or like a big name person like does something on Netflix. It means there's like a fatal flaw in the movie or it's just like, or it's like the medium is too weird for old people to like take a risk and put it on the screen.
1: That's interesting.
0: It's gotta be one or the other. And this one I thought was going to be a delightful sort of thing about option B. Okay. And for about 15 minutes I was on board (laughs)
1: <laughs> so for the ballad of buster scruggs and the next five stories maybe maybe not yeah
0: well so let's play it out a little bit so you you're watching this movie and it's one of those movies that's like within a book
1: so like, like the jungle book or princess bride or anything to give it some sort yeah. of
0: framing device there are these close-up shots of pages turning where you see an image and much like like a fraser episode or something you see like and then you know Then Ben didn't know what to say to George Or whatever It's like
1: Yeah you see the last line of the chapter As though it were a short story
0: Correct and then you go into it And you see the first couple paragraphs And I like paused it a couple times to read them And they're kind of funny Like the first pages of these stories And so then you're led into The titular story The Ballad of Buster Scruggs And Mm -hmm. Buster Scruggs Played by Tim Blake Nelson, is this sort of—he's basically Anton Sugar if he sang,
1: yeah, and had like a little more decorum about and was like him. a
0: Billy like, Bob Thornton kind of character, like a fast-talking sort of like goofy. What do they call him? Like the like the the New Orleans
1: tit or whatever he's or twit. <laughs> That's what he does. The West Texas Twit is what he does not want to be called. No, he, he likes to be that. called like the Songbird of Sandinista Valley or whatever. Right, it that's is. what he likes. That's not it, but um, I'm in the ballpark. And it's really goofy and colorful. And Tim Blake Nelson is wearing like rhinestone. Like I, he doesn't actually have rhinestones on, but a, a perfectly white. Um, Kind of showboaty outfit And he's just got right. these giant Well he looks like teeth. he
0: was born yesterday Like nothing's, he's nothing dirty about him He looks like he just arrived Like in the quote unquote west
1: And everyone else looks like Jeff Bridges In True Grit. Right,
0: but his secret is that he's been there for a long time And he just like cleans himself Regularly uh-huh. And so he has them <laughs> all duped into thinking To underestimating him Which is everyone's right. fatal flaw This episode comes to this sort of Random and immediate End point as kind of all Of them do right Where you're like well I kind of Like that and now that part's over And then you go back to the book And you're on this James Franco One that's not as good (laughs) People are so easily distracted So I'm the distractor With a little story people can't get enough of them because well they connect the stories to themselves I suppose and we all love hearing about ourselves so long as the people in the stories are us but not us this will tell the tale
1: Maybe before we get like deeper into the vignettes, let me bounce off the kind of the form you just described and and talk about like the ways in which this movie is netflixy. It allows you to pause and talk to whoever you're watching the movie with five different times, right? Yeah. It allows you to get up and walk out. The fact that this Tim Blake Nelson story is first introduces this kind of um really cartoony element. Like the digital blood is very is so uh, splashy pun intended That it's just like the Co- You can feel the Coens being like All oh, these people watching this on their tiny phones and laptops This blood's really gonna pop This is not like a Roger Deacon shot <laughs> Certainly Brothers not thing. And then like the um, ending yeah.
0: of it Devolves into like what is essentially Sort of a live action Disney movie Right With like cartoon
1: elements But there, there's an interesting uh, Both like tonal and like aesthetic shift as the stories wear on. You know, it gets, it starts out very cartoony, gets less and less cartoony, and then there's sort of like absurd tragedy. And then by the time you get to the Zoe Kazan, Bill Heck wagon train story, which is the longest of the six at about 40, 45 minutes, you're, you're in like pretty close to realism. And that was the one that was shot in right. uh, my home state of Nebraska. Oh, really? And yeah, you can see the, um, Scott's Bluff monument in the background for part of it. Um, so there is this weird, like, evolution or de-evolution throughout the story, depending how you want to look at it and, like, how seriously they're taking the Old West.
0: But I think the real problem is they don't keep it at that ridiculous, almost, almost magical realist kind of level. They go right. from something, like, I thought very entertaining and, like, kind of amusing and, like, I was on board for to what are like the worst sort of tropes of Coen brothers, character studies hmm. and nothing. So like, cause that's, what's great about the Coen brothers is when they can dance between that line of like, is this a comedy? Is this a drama? But yeah. I don't think any of the other ones did that. And then they go so on, un- like the one with the he's nubs, like is, it's terrible.
1: It's it's what, like unbelievably bleak. It's incredibly bleak. I don't think that means it's bad. I think it's disturbing as all get out. But
0: why why like create something that's so single-mindedly bleak when you clearly like have a good conceit for an anthology film and then you totally give up on it? Like if so let's we're talking about the one where there's a guy with no arms and no legs who just like yeah performs these famous
1: speeches from literature and history
0: as his he thing. He does
1: Ozymandias. He does Genesis. He does the Gettysburg Address.
0: And then Liam Neeson is like carting this guy around and setting up his little stage and the townspeople come out and see him perform and they give him like what meager money they can for entertainment. They're equivalent <laughs> to like a Netflix subscription, which I <laughs> thought was like so brutal in its yeah uh, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, the money's clearly kind of drying up and they're not living really like the kings they, I guess, once did. And so Liam Neeson takes the guy who can't move. But, like, that's the weird thing about their relationship is because, like, Liam Neeson is totally devoted to him until he isn't. Like, he has to, like, help him urinate, he has to bathe him, he has to position him every night, He like, I can't move, can't do anything for himself, and then, by the end of it, he he just discards him with such, like, such a lack of humanity as to be like, what the fuck?
1: But doesn't that make you realize that you never knew what their relationship was in the beginning, that in this sort of, like, so these are... They're all like different takes on nihilism in the West. And one way in which early American capitalism works is like, yeah, you really take care of the thing that's buying you lamb and steak. But if that thing starts to buy you beans only, maybe, maybe you get the, by the way, Sarah, incredible call. Do you know who that actor was who plays the artist?
0: He is, uh, isn't it the guy who does the paintings in uh, Wedding Crashers?
1: Uh no, it is the kid who plays Dudley Dursley. In Holy the, uh... shit! <laughs> yeah, which is so weird. He's such a prominent chin now that he's like a full-grown man,
0: right? And now he's like grown into his baby fat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah but he's not he's terrifying looking with his his like oh, buggy yeah.
1: eyes the whole time. I came upon a traveler in an antique land.
0: That's the crazy thing about that. Okay, it they have they share no speak like dialogue at all.
1: He doesn't say anything the entire time except for his recitation. except for his,
0: his speeches.
1: Yeah, that's so um, weird. Yeah, so I think this sort of functions as a weird like Coen Brothers reader in a way um, with the different tones it's and like the different. Moodic, co- you
0: think? Interesting.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> the different uh, kinds of stories that they like to tell, and the like, and you've seen them tell these in the West too, like. True Grid is a much differently toned movie Than No Country It gets like realer and realer Until you have this like very quiet sad one With Zoe Kazan and then the last One is almost like You know explicitly Reminding you like Here's how you maybe can take Cohen Brothers Stories and like you shouldn't fear Anton Chigurh as the devil like don't make him Special because like death is coming For everyone um, These are like really about like death All of them all of them, right? I I guess. But well, why would I an...
0: want to watch that?
1: I don't know. So you just like you don't go in for like the Coens and their sort of like elliptical, like fascinating supporting characters. You're just not a Coens guy. I just feel I'll like... watch this four more. I'll watch this again with my mom over Thanksgiving, and I'll probably watch it three times after that.
0: Interesting. I'm not going to do that.
1: Um, okay.
0: <laughs> I think the Coen Brothers. What's good about them is they can like go out on these weird limbs as long as they bring you back to a satisfying conclusion, you know. I see one thing like this, then (laughs) their best movies, you know, they don't tie up perfectly at the end, but there is some resonance to every moment that we saw. And I think something like this is like the what the Coen brothers wish they could do. And Netflix Mm -hmm. has allowed them to do where they're like, we're just going to do a bunch of character sketches and not like, why not link them even incidentally by like a, a loose plot, like have one of them just be like a townsperson in the thing before, like link them in some capacity Hmm. as to say, like, if you, you know, experience this as a whole, you'll get something from, especially if you're going to make it so similar in setting and essentially themes of death. Like, why not show the you, dominoes of the,
1: death? Don't you think the theme does some of that work, though? Like, why do some of these characters get impossibly lucky only for it to be squandered? And then, like, the arguably the most human character of them all, hopefully you know who that is, I won't spoil who it is, just takes some bad advice and follows it. And, like, that's that's the end of what was otherwise probably the most touching story therein. But that one, you're right, really could have been its own movie
0: that's what I'm saying. Like that has the same amount of plot as wildlife does. Like why wasn't just that, the, the movie, right. You know? And then if you wanted to have like characters who are on the train with them and we've like flashback to maybe an experience they had, but all these other, basically they're all like, you either end up filthy rich or dead, but most likely dead.
1: (laughs) Um, there are little things though. Did you notice that David Crumholtz in the first one, plays a French guy in the saloon? And in the stagecoach at the end, Saul Rubinick, who looks remarkably like an old David Crumholtz, plays a Frenchman in the stagecoach? Or the way Steven Root yells out, Pan shot! The same way that uh, Mr. Andrews yells out, "Gopher hole! Like, there are these, like, co- Cohen callbacks. I know it's not what you want, but there's... I just wanted
0: here. that to be a little bit more obvious like it's fun now that you tell it to me but I wish like I could be tickled by that th- on the screen like you never would pick that up but who was who was Tom Waits then was Tom Waits somebody that we saw
1: I don't think so um come on brothers movies you gotta watch it more than once though I know I'll probably watch it again you're right all right you're right um, you're so- right so let's lean in, come on, skip let's lean <laughs> come in on, to, skip lean into the form with me for just a minute and tell me like who what was your favorite bizarro performance in here because that's the fun is being like I like this one and this one and this one what did you like? I just well, I thought that
0: um Tim Blake Nelson and Buster Scruggs was fantastic. I loved that whole I thought that as a short story or as like a short film or something like that was near
1: perfect. And he got everyone singing that super violent song, like once he had a frown, now his brains are on the ground. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: every time he kills someone, he just adds a new verse to his continuing song, like about murders that he's committed.
1: I laughed hysterically at the pan shot thing. I just thought that was the funniest fucking thing <laughs> in the world. In, in otherwise, what I think was probably the most useless of the six vignettes—the one with James was, Franco and yeah. the guy from uh, Office Space, right, Stephen Root. I also think Chelsea Ross is really funny in the last one. Um, he's the fur trapper who's sitting next to like, oh, the yeah. professor's wife and like the, the French gambler. And she goes on this long speech about like, are you opposed to bettering yourself, sir? As he's like sitting in years worth of his own stink. And he's just like, I'm not opposed to betterment, but I do have to spend a lot of time with my traps. I just <laughs> howled. <laughs> I mean it's funny when you say it out of context
0: but <laughs> See right, that's whatever. where I think this movie sort of fails is that some of these most of these vignettes have no dialogue whatsoever and then in the ones yeah. that there are dialogue it's so like over the top that I think it becomes tedious I thought that okay. the the last ones sort of became tedious and like what kind of that's bothered awesome. me about the last ones too is like when they inevitably pull into that one horse town slash hell um basically yeah the i don't know like what it means that the the buildings across the street from the stagecoach were so clearly flats you know they didn't have Mm. any depth to them so either i guess they're trying to dupe the travelers but like what does that mean i don't know i like the tom waits one the best i
1: think it's so peaceful, and and the the actual text uh, for that one's really interesting too. It's like all that was oh, left of this boisterous, oh yeah, all that was left of the boisterous trail of life was, um, you know, like the, it was like the the scraping of the ground of this peaceful place, and it's kind of like yeah, weirdly in all this other like human violence, there is like violence against the land that seems innocuous too. I like that one.
0: Yeah, well, the land has its own, sort of. Ways of fighting back this and like fucking with him, which are funny. Right. And yeah. then man sort of shows up and it's upsetting too. But then like luck intercedes, but also a right. bit of grit too. It's, it was, it was, and you get the sense that he's dying anyway because he's coughing so much. I mean, I guess we're all dying,
1: or so these short films tell us. Or
0: yeah, but it's very depressing like seeing all these movies after one reaches 30 years old and is looking upon one's death and it's like in every one of these little narratives the person dies in the like yeah. worst fucking way possible at the most or inconvenient they're or they're already dead you know yeah. or they don't die and they just go home rich and like with a hole
1: as somebody who's not 30 yet, like, death don't scare me a lick, brother. <laughs> I No, I totally hear what you're saying. I think it's a good good. I, I will relent. I, to I the just
0: ki- knew watching it as it started to get really boring. I was like, chance is definitely going to give this a good good.
1: I'll relent to the characterization, Cohen Apologist. I just don't think with like the exception of Lady Killers and Intolerable Cruelty, they don't make bad shit, and this isn't bad either. I liked um,
0: Intolerable Cruelty, if we're being honest. I'd give that right. a bad good.
1: So yeah, but I I totally see what you're saying This is obviously set up to be considered lesser Coens uh, Just by virtue of the form And by how they sort of embrace the cheapness of the form Um, But good, good for me What do you say?
0: I'm going to say good, bad I think this is, of course, technically proficient They are some of the best filmmakers working today everything is exactly what they want it to be on screen. I'm not saying it's not, I'm saying what they, the thing they put into the world to frustrate us. Cause, and I know they do. I know they love it. <laughs> the thing, but like uh-huh. for that, sometimes that to me, like I can struggle with so- Like after seeing Fargo or after seeing, you know, blood simple or big Lebowski or whatever you like, you say, huh? Cause something happened. And you understand that a story, like, came to its natural conclusion. And with this one, like kind of a sort of hip, buzzy short story collection seemed to be more style than substance. So, good, bad.
1: So, that "huh" moment happening six different times is just too much of their thing for you. I just think
0: it didn't happen six times.
1: Oh, okay. Or maybe it
0: happened with some of them, but, like, there was no overall sort of... And that's the point we're trying to make.
1: Well folks, watch this over Thanksgiving. Let us know what you think. Where does it fall in the uh from between Hudsucker Proxy and Untolerable Cruelty? Uh Is Hud that, it the best? You mean? What's that?
0: Oh, you mean like in the minor canon is it Hudsucker Proxy or is it intolerable Cruelty? In the minor
1: canon, that's right. Yeah. BeRealPodcast.com for all of your listening needs. If your family's bugging you or you got a long plane ride, download some episodes, visit the archives. If you're checking out something on streaming or in theaters uh, over the over the holiday, head to berealpodcast.com and look at our little scrolly list at the bottom where it tells you all the movies we've ever reviewed. That's a fun thing to check out, but uh, buddy, you have a great holiday now.
0: Absolutely. I'm just going to set up the speaker right in the as the centerpiece of the table and just listen to the episode as we eat
1: that sounds thank you for honoring us and fortunately. Wasn't the that family a good point same. I just made, Dad? <laughs> Rod's face down in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I like what Chance said about chariots of fire. First time. <laughs>